Sometimes when I go to the gym, I see guys that are beasts of men. And, and sometimes ladies, too, uh, anymore these days. Uh, the CrossFit kind of body. And sometimes I, I look at the arms on some of these guys, and I think, man, that's about the size of my thigh. In fact, it may be a little bigger than my thigh. There was a guy in college that worked out in, in my dormitory, and you just thought, boy, if you ever made him mad, he could probably just rip your head off. Uh, he was that strong, right? So, but it's interesting. Sometimes when you, you go to the gym, you see people who haven't been working themselves out proportionally, right? Big upper bodies, skinny little toothpick legs. Um, you don't tend to see it the other way around for whatever reason. Uh, I saw a guy at the gym who, who was big in his upper body, but he apparently didn't work his back out. And so he, he needed to, to work the, the back out to balance things out. Sometimes people get so muscle-bound that they, 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 they move more like this, and they're, they're unable to do various important bodily functions. Um, seriously, so they have to get implements to help them. Um, there are dangers of getting too strong. Dangers. <laughs> I'll tell you more about it later if you're, if you're interested. <laughs> I don't experience these dangers. So, and then there are people who say, you know, I don't want to do any weightlifting because I'm afraid I'll get too big. I'll get too strong. You know, ladies sometimes avoid any weights at all because they don't want to get too strong. Well, let me just tell you, I mean, you can look at me and see, you do not get too big <laughs> by lifting a few weights, right? <laughs> just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. So sometimes we have fears about strength. Um, usually we don't have those fears. We just want to have more strength, which strength is a good thing. Wouldn't we all like to be stronger physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And we'll see today, even though we're, we're mentioning that there are dangers to strength, we'll see that strength is a good thing in the right context. So let's open up our Bible to 2 Chronicles chapter 26, because we see here an example of somebody who got too strong and couldn't handle it anymore. This is the third in a series of kings who start off good and then end bad. Three in a row. It seems like I'm preaching the same sermon week after week, but trust me, the details are different. They're different. And just listen, you'll see that this is different. And there's a different message from God's word for us today. Second Chronicles chapter 26. We start at verse 1, and it says, Now all the people of Judah took who? Uzziah. It's interesting. It says all the people. Usually when somebody would take the throne, it just would say, and his son succeeded him on the throne. His son took his place. But here we see a very intentional clue, perhaps, by the author that the people chose Uzziah especially. He was the, the, the king's son, but the king was still living. Amaziah, the foolish king from last week, he was still alive but the people chose Uzziah to be a co-regent, 
to rule at the same time, to sit on the throne, probably as his father, um, towards the end of his life, as things were going downhill. So Uzziah is on the throne, and it says he was 16 years old when he became king. Again, this is a, this is a young start. His dad's still around, but he begins to rule instead of his father, Amaziah. They put him on the throne. The people chose him instead of his father. And he built Elath and restored it to Judah. And the king, after the king, rested with his fathers. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned for how many years? 52 years. This is a very long reign. Very long reign. His mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. You know, it's interesting. Um, Uzziah is another one of those kings that has two names. Uzziah, and then he also goes by Azariah uh, in the book of Kings. And, and people say perhaps Azariah was his given name at birth, and Uzziah was his throne name. Sometimes they took on a throne name, like they do in other countries at times. He probably began to rule initially around 791 BC, so about 800 years before the time of Christ. And there are some interesting archaeological tidbits that point us uh, to Uzziah. Um, one of them here is an epitaph. This is something that was placed later um, at the site of his grave. And it has a little phrase on it, like you see sometimes when you look through uh, tombstones in the graveyard. Would anybody like to read this for us? <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. So this was put, Uzziah, as you'll see, was not buried in the tombs of the kings. Later, 700 years after his death, approximately, when Jerusalem and the walls expanded, they moved him outside the walls again. Okay? And they put this epitaph there. It says this, Hither were brought the bones of Uzziah, king of Judah. Do not open. And we'll get a clue for probably why it says don't open a little bit later. Not that, you know, they would necessarily want to. But this one in particular, they said, don't open. They also discovered a couple of seals uh, they, they turned up in the 1800s, um, a couple seals, royal seals, that relate to um, a servant of Uzziah. So again, just more evidence pointing to the fact that Uzziah was a real person, like we've seen with so many of our other biblical characters. Um, Uzziah is also mentioned in the annals of Tiglath-Pileser, uh, who was the Assyrian king who ruled a little bit after the time of Uzziah. Uh, and the name there almost certainly points to Uzziah of Judah. So here we have um, a number of things that, again, just show us, hey, these aren't just random stories made up by some author. These are actual people. Um, and the, the, the chronicles of Tiglath-Pileser show us that the military strength and accomplishments of Uzziah are indeed um, accurate uh, by what he says. So anyway, just a little bit of background on him. He starts off pretty good. 16 years old, he's on the throne. Things are going pretty well. Let's continue on to verse 4. 
And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. Of course, we remember Amaziah was good at first, but then he went bad. Verse 5, and he sought the Lord God in the days of Zechariah. This is not the Zechariah of the book of Zechariah. He lived 200 years later. This is probably another name for the priest, um, Azariah, which also is Uzziah's other name. So it gets a little bit confusing. But anyways, he sought the Lord in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought God, the Lord, God made him what? Prosper. As long as he sought God, God allowed him to prosper. Now, sometimes we have what we call the prosperity gospel in some of the various churches. And you'll see ads on TV. God wants to bless you. Send in some seed money, $1,000 as a sign of your faith. I don't care if you don't have it. Just send it in. God is going to bless you, and you're going to prosper. And then they're flying around in their corporate jets, and, private jets, and they're doing all sorts of abominable things. Uh, in the eyes of God. Sometimes there's this teaching that if you just serve God, you're going to be rich, you're going to be prosperous, and you're going to be wealthy. Let me ask you something. Do you know people who serve the Lord but are not rich? Yeah. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's basically most all of us, right? What about, do you know bad people who are, who are witch? <laughs> Witch. <laughs> Do you know bad witches? <laughs> My dad knew a witch, had some property d down the road from him in Oregon, and her name was Vega. Vega, and her sons were uh, Puma and Tumbleweed. And she claimed to be a witch. Any anyways, do you know rich people, though? <laughs> Halloween, you know? <laughs> Rich people that are wealthy and prosperous, but they are bad people? Yeah. So that alone is evidence that, that this simple prosperity gospel is not true. But, but the fact is, God saw that Uzziah was safe to bless. Um, I hope that I get safe to bless uh, <laughs> in that regard. But honestly, the riches that we have in heaven and in the spiritual blessings are worth far more than monetary uh, riches. But again, there's nothing wrong with being rich as long as we don't let it be a snare to us. So as long as he sought the Lord, he was prosperous. Now let's talk about some of his strength, some of his prosperity. Look at verse 6. He went out and made war against the Philistines, broke down the wall of Gath, the wall of Jabna, and the wall of Ashdod, and he built cities around Ashdod among the Philistines. And God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians who lived at Gerbal and against the Maonites, uh, people who lived at Mount Seir, perhaps descendants of Esau. And also the Ammonites brought tribute. They brought money to Uzziah. And his fame spread as far as the entrance of where? Egypt. For he had become exceedingly strong. So he has strength in battle. He is beating back his enemies, those pesky Philistines and the other enemies that were uh, a thorn in the flesh of the people of Judah in Israel. He's winning 
militarily. He's winning the wars, the battles. And then he's also doing good things with infrastructure. Look at verse 9. Uzziah built what? Towers. He built towers in Jerusalem and at the corner gate and at the valley gate and at the corner buttress of the wall and he fortified them. In fact, Josephus tells us that he built a tower that was 150 cubits high, so 225 feet tall. Uh, these are some big structures that allowed him to have a view of what's going on and also to have strength and a secure, safe place to fight from. Verse 10, he also built towers in the desert, not just in the city. He dug many wells. Josephus tells us that he dug a lot of canals also, so he's distributing the water from these wells. For he had much livestock, both in the lowlands and in the plains, and he also had farmers and vine dressers in the mountains and in Carmel, for he loved the what? He loved the soil. This guy loved dirt. He had his hands, his fingers in a lot of different things. In fact, it's an interesting quote from Josephus about this. He said he was also given to husbandry, and he took care to cultivate the ground, and he planted it with all sorts of plants and sowed it with all sorts of seeds. This guy just loved to grow stuff. So he is prospering in his battles, he's prospering at home, in the towers he's building, and the things he's growing, and there's water going different places. He's, he's getting diverse seeds from other countries, probably, and he's growing a lot of stuff. And then it describes, in verse 11, how he, he had a big army. He had over 300,000 people in his army, not as big as previous armies, but still, this was a pretty big army. Verse 14, it says, And he prepared for them, for the entire army, shields, spears, helmets, body armor, bows, and slings to cast stones. So these guys are well equipped. They've got the latest technology, the latest protection in military uh, affairs to keep them safe as they go to battle. And then verse 15 is very, very interesting. It says, and he made devices in Jerusalem, invented by skillful men to be on the towers and the corners, to shoot what? Arrows, and what else? And hurl stones, large stones. Now this is, uh, yeah, perhaps trebuchet, perhaps catapult, perhaps uh, crossbow type systems. And this is like the earliest record we have of these types of things. Um, technology was developed in other countries later on, but apparently in Israel, they were already, in Judah, they were already being developed. Uh, and it's easier to invent things when you're not going to war all the time. When you have peace and safety and security, then you can devote your attention towards other things. And so they're building these big fortresses, and then on top of it, they're getting these machines, these catapults to throw stones, big stones. We saw some of those stones that the Romans used in their attack on uh, one of the last holdouts, uh, Masada. And these things were, you know, this big around and would cause immense damage if they hit a structure uh, or easily kill someone. So he's feeling pretty good. He's winning his battles. He's got a lot of cows, plants, water, 
big army, well-equipped army, and they are just inventing these machines that are letting them feel very, very comfortable at home. And so the Bible concludes in verse 15, it says, So his fame spread far and wide, for he was marvelously helped till he became what? Strong. So he was helped. He was blessed because he was seeking the Lord. The Bible also describes something interesting that happened during the time of Uzziah. There was a massive earthquake that happened during his reign. In fact, we can see in Zechariah 14, verse 5, it says, And you shall flee to the mountains, to the valley of my mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach to Azal, and you shall flee as you fled from the what? The earthquake in the days of who? Uzziah, king of Judah. So this is just a passing reference talking about you're going to run away. By the way, you're going to run away like you did when that big earthquake hit. So we know there was an earthquake, but Uzziah reigned for 52 years, so that's a long time period. Uh, but then the Amos, the prophet Amos, also mentions the earthquake and gives us a little bit more of a clue as to when in that long reign the earthquake was. Look at Amos 1 verse 1, the words of Amos, who was among the shepherds of Tekoa, which he saw concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, the king of Israel, two years before what? The earthquake. This was a big enough earthquake that, that they were referring to it, referring back to it as kind of a landmarker in time. In fact, archaeologists, in their digging, identify in various cities there, uh, they can see the destruction from the earthquake, the cracks, the things that um, were clearly destroyed. In fact, they even went down into the the Dead Sea, and they found evidence of this earthquake. Uh, and they pinpoint it to about 760 B.C., which, when you compare the, the, date, the data in this verse, um, in the days of Jeroboam, this was Jeroboam II, and you know when he began to reign, we've kind of got, from the Bible, an approximate time period in the middle to late part of Uzziah's reign, and then archaeologically, and uh, using various uh, extra-biblical, outside-of-the-Bible sources, it all makes sense that it was about this, this uh, approximate period towards the middle or the end of Uzziah's reign. So just store that in your mind. Massive earthquake, and they say it was possibly 7.8, maybe up to 8.2. So this is a massive event. But then we continue. Back in the passage, verse 16, but, yeah, but when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his what? Destruction. Again, there's nothing wrong with being strong. God wants us to be strong in, in many aspects of the word, but he doesn't want us to get led astray by it, right? When he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord. Well, this sounds like a good thing. He wants to go to the temple. Notice what he's doing. To burn incense on the altar of incense. Again, 
It doesn't say he wanted to go in there to put bales up, serve other gods. But notice what happens. It says, so Azariah the priest went in after him, and there were with him 80 priests of the Lord, valiant men. So perhaps uh, Uzziah had other men with him. Uh, the priests saw this as, as a big deal. They go in after him, and they withstood King Uzziah, and they said to him, it's not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have trespassed. You shall have no honor from the Lord God. So it seems like he's, he's filled with pride because of all the things that he's accomplished. And we should have a, a certain sense of satisfaction with our work. This is natural. But in his heart, it led to other things where he was greedy for more power, for more recognition, for more honor. And so he goes into the temple because now he's conquering in all these other areas. He's strong in all these other areas. He wanted to grasp power that God had given only to those devoted for the service of the Lord. He didn't care that God had said, only the priests shall do this. He wanted the power for himself. And so his presumption led to this sin. Even while he was warned, it led to this sin. King Uzziah became furious, verse 19, and he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. While he was angry with the priests, what happened? Leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord, beside the incense altar. By, by doing this, he was basically saying, God, what you say doesn't matter. I want what I want, and I'm going to have it, because I can take it. Right? That's, that's the, one of the dangers of strength, is when you can take whatever you want, there's a risk that you'll take it. And there are many powerful and corrupt people that that we see this, you see the, the stories in the news where they just start taking things that aren't theirs, spouses that aren't theirs, things that aren't theirs because they're strong enough to get it. And here, he's trying to take from God what God had not given to him. And so he breaks out with leprosy. And where was the leprosy starting? On his forehead. I don't know if there's significance to that. I don't know if, if it was because this choice was in his mind. Uh, maybe Arlene Taylor has some thoughts on this. But it breaks out on his forehead. And so what they did was they thrust him out of that place. Indeed, he also hurried to get out because the Lord had struck him. Remember we talked about that earthquake? That it happened sometime towards the middle or later part of his reign, if, if there ever was an appropriate time for an earthquake, this would be the time, right? You remember when, when Jesus was on the cross? A massive earthquake shook the city. Yeah, Massive earthquake. Various times. Or you think about the rebellion of Korah. Where, where they were kind of doing a similar thing, usurping authority that God hadn't given them and not caring what God had to say about it. And there was such a big earthquake that the 
earth opened up, right? Well, it's very, very interesting, though the Bible doesn't tell us this, in, this, in the writings of the ancient rabbis and in the writings of Josephus, it tells us when this earthquake occurred. I'll show, put it on the screen here. Uzziah went into the temple to offer incense to God upon the golden altar. In the meantime, a great what? Earthquake shook the ground and a rent, a hole was torn, was made in the temple and the bright rays of the sun shone through it and fell upon the king's face insomuch that leprosy seized upon him immediately. It's very interesting. So, you know, it's darker inside the temple. There's the seven-branch candlestick, provides some light, but it's darker in there. And according to Josephus, according to ancient rabbis' traditions and, and understanding, this earthquake happened at that moment, causing the sunlight to stream through, hitting him on the face, on the forehead, and they saw 80-plus guys in there. I can just picture... <gasps> leprosy on his forehead. And he seized upon him immediately. And before the city, at a place called Eroge, half the mountain broke off from the rest of the west and it rolled itself four furlongs. That's uh, a quarter of a mile. You can just picture these massive blocks, these massive stones breaking free and tumbling down and causing destruction in their way. It stood still at the east mountain till the roads, as well as the king's gardens, were spoiled by the obstruction. Those plants that he loved so much squashed uh, at least some of them. Very interesting. We don't know if this is 100% for sure, but there is sufficient evidence to, to think that this may be what happened. In any case, he leaves... He goes out. In fact, being a leper now, he has to live by himself. Verse 21, King Uzziah was a leper until the day of his death, and he dwelt in an isolated house because he was a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. Then Jotham, his son, was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. So his son Jotham starts to be a co-regent, to rule along um, with his father, who wasn't actively ruling at the time. Now, the rest of the Acts of Uzziah, from the first to the last, the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, wrote. Isaiah. Mentions Isaiah. Do you remember something in Isaiah chapter 6? It says, in the day, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Uh, even Isaiah uses the death of Uzziah as a marker for that time when he began to see God. Uzziah was buried. He was rested with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the field of burial, which belonged to the kings, for they said he is a leper. Then Jotham, his son, reigned in his place. Makes you wonder if they, if they later on wrote, do not open because he was a leper, and they were afraid even after death that this might spread. Keep it shut. Keep it shut. So what do we do in response to the story? Number one, I, we emphasize again, there's nothing wrong with being strong. 
right, Frank? <laughs> nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with having money and wealth and power and inventing things. We should be doing that. There's nothing wrong with innovation and, and being a people of influence. We're supposed to be people of influence. But today's story is simply a cautionary reminder to be careful. To not let it get to our heads so much that we start thinking that all of the power and strength and ideas come from us and we forget where the source of the strength comes from. I was at Pastor Anil's ordination several years ago. Our conference president, good guy, uh, Ramiro Cano, he said to him, Anil, you're good, but you're not that good. And he said it two times. Anil, you're good, but you're not that good. It was affirming him while still saying, just remember to be humble. Oh, he said it at my ordination just once, though. <laughs> Apparently, I'm good, but I'm not that good. But I, told, I said to Sarah, I'm like, he's going to say that. I hope he says <laughs> It's just something. People have things that they say. And so I, I had a chuckle uh, over that. I want to look at, just as we close, a few verses that deal with strength. The strength is good, but we just have to be careful that we don't let it get to our head. David said in Psalm 73, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is what? Is my strength of my heart and my portion forever. Hey, our, our muscles may fail, our heart may fail, but, but God's the source of our strength. What about Psalm 84, verse 5? Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose heart are on the highways to Zion. Blessed are those who recognize, hey, God, ultimately it all comes from you. What we have comes from you, God. Isaiah 30, verse 15, For thus said the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and in rest shall you be saved, in quietness and what? Trust shall be your strength. Unfortunately, to that people, they were not willing. Sometimes you can be the strongest person by being the quietest person. Like that children's story today. It takes a lot of strength to not throw a dodgeball in your, friend, in your classmate's face sometimes. Amen? <laughs> What about this one? Jeremiah 17, 5. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. God gives us strength to accomplish purposes, but, but there's a curse if you think it's only you that's doing it. And you forget where your strength comes from. Not just an Old Testament concept, it's also in the New Testament. Ephesians 6, 10. Finally, be strong in who? in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Be strong, people, but do it in the Lord. Do big things for God, but do it in His strength that He has given you. The Bible is not saying we need to be weaklings, but we need to remember of ourself, we are weak, but with Him we can be strong. Last verse here, 1 Peter 4.11. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, 
Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So if you're going to speak, just remember, you're speaking with the strength that God gives you. Right? He's the one who did it. We have strength in life, and the purpose is to bring God the glory. So three things to remember today from the life of Uzziah. Remember, number one, that there are dangers to strength. There are dangers when things are going really well. Just remember, there are dangers. And I need to be careful that I don't go astray. Number two, remember where your strength and your blessings come from. They come from God. Be thankful for what you have. Be grateful. Leading into the Thanksgiving season, a good reminder, point back to God who gave you what you have. And number three, remember to use your strength to serve and to glorify God. God didn't give us abilities and and smarts and talents and wealth just for ourselves. He gave it to us because we are people of mission, mission to, to bring the gospel to the world so people can know. So who wants to be strong in the Lord today? Who wants to use your strength for him humbly but with a grateful heart? Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for another reminder that we need you. You've given us great gifts, great abilities, and we're thankful for them, Lord. But we want to make sure today that we Remember, it's not all about us. Uh, You're the one who's given us all things. And in gratitude, we respond and we say thank you. And we want to use what you've given to us for you. Give us more strength. Give us um, strength to resist temptation and strength to make you look good in our lives and in in the lives of um, what we do this week. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What's the next thing? Next thing is potluck, and then stick around.